It's a very creative game of troubleshooting how you're going to accomplish something with a third of the things that you were planning on using to accomplish that. I had to like go across the ship and like start flirting with like all the Polish contractors to see if I could get a screw gun. And I did. It worked. Hello and welcome to the Theater Art Life podcast. Sponsored by Harlequin Floors, world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. The Theater Art Life podcast puts the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Aguilera. And my name is Anna Robb. And today we'll be talking to Anna Tompkins about Theater Art Life's podcast second anniversary. Anna is an acrobatic rigger, rope access and automation technician, originally from the United States. She was our very first guest back in 2019, and we're happy to have her back. And well, since then, we've released uh, over 120 episodes. Yeah, we're here again. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm so glad to have like the pleasure of seeing you guys again and your lovely faces. Do you know that your your episode has been in the top 10 for the entirety of these two years? That's exciting. No, I didn't know that. I'm 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 shocked, honestly. <laughs> People want to listen to, uh, to what it's like to be a female rigger, I guess. I guess so. I I didn't realize, but cool, right on. I'm happy to <laughs> have more. I don't know exposure. I guess some inspiration for upcoming riggers. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Bring them on. <laughs> so we we're two years on from when we first interviewed you. What has happened apart from a global pandemic? <laughs> Yeah, the global pandemic was a big deal. I mean, it was it was a big deal for everybody, of course. You know, it just like for everyone, it was just like, well, what what is happening? What are we doing? What am I doing? Um, so I went through the the phase of you know, it's only going to be a few months, we're going to be fine. Oh, it's only going to be six months, we're going to be fine. And so I kind of like held strong, and I ended up hanging out with the parents, which is good because like family matters came up and whatnot. I was just. Um, you know, in between family stuff um, and my normal waking life, I was basically either at the gym or, you know, helping someone trim trees or mow their lawn or like just doing things for people around because I was just like, well, if I'm not going to be working, at least I can be contributing to something. I would buy groceries for people like that. I was actually actually really like enjoying for me because it felt like I was able to, you know, do something worthwhile as like a young, healthy person to be able to get out and I don't know, be of use. So I did that for a long, long while. Um, and then I eventually um, picked up a few freelance gigs with Tate Technologies. And so I've kind of been doing that off and on for the last year. And I have just signed on full time with them. So I start officially in like three weeks as a mechanical engineer or, or integrator, as the US calls it. So for the, the support side, yeah, no, no longer projects, support. That's exciting. Which is actually very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's it's been a a little adventure. Lots of things that are familiar and lots of new things to see. So and then you get to be client facing, which is helps me learn how to be political (laughs) speaking better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no more hiding in the darkness, Anna. You must get out. No there. more hiding in the darkness. No more blurting out the things that I really want to say. I will say all of the correct things to the correct people. <laughs> that, that is that is my like life goal. I wake up in the morning sometimes, and I'm just like, 
temper yourself. <laughs> your beauty, your grace. <laughs> your beauty, your grace. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's me. I'm, I'm currently back in Florida. I'm hanging at my mom's house in the spare bedroom because it's the quiet place. And I've got a few weeks um, until I sign on full time and it's going to be lovely. That's amazing. But where does that keep you located? Is it, do you have to be in a specific place? Yeah, that's a great question. I think they had originally intended for me to be in Lidita near the head office, but I was able to, you know, basically say I would rather stay in Jacksonville, Florida. So I will be home based in Jacksonville, Florida. And I think most of my assignments are probably going to be in the southeast of the United States anyway. So like it works out for everybody. Right. There's a lot of support required down there for certain installations. Yes, there is. Well, there's Disney, there's all the cruise ships. There's um, some other theme parks, as I understand. I haven't been given the full lowdown, but I'm sure that'll happen once I've signed all the NDAs on official, you know, full-time sign-on. So, yep. That's the awesome. Yes. They're good times. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, sort of, what do you, in your opinion, since we spoke last, like, what do you think, has the pandemic changed the industry much? Has it changed anything internally, externally? How, how does it feel now in the industry compared to two years ago? I feel like in my previous experience with the industry uh, as a whole has been in onstage productions. And my personal experience throughout the pandemic has been purely like maintenance and support. So like for me personally, it's been really strange, like not having performers around, not being able to like watch shows to the degree that I did. I was speaking with other Anna here. Um, at one point, um, I was getting like really like frustrated with like not having the the comfort of like being on headset and just like hearing like just normal chatter. So I would start watching um, air traffic control recordings because it reminded me of like stage managers like controlling a scene and everything. Like they, it was it was weird for me. I don't know why I would do that, but it, I don't know. I still do it actually. <laughs> so I mean, I guess everyone took it differently but for me personally like the strangest thing has been like not doing shows specifically but being like you know doing the maintenance support thing which is actually really good because the majority of the jobs that I've applied for and got hired for in the last like 10 years have been for maintenance but then I get like pushed on to shows which works out fine but it's just like oh but I wanted to do maintenance oh but I wanted to do the inspections blah 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 so now I'm really doing it and miss doing shows. So it's kind of like it comes for a circle. I actually did check out the recordings from the air controller and it's actually pretty cool. Yeah. It's really nice. It is really yeah. cool. I mean, I, they've got so much concentration. Yeah. Like, and precision and attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah. So like I listen to that stuff and I'm just like, oh, it's so in inspiring. They know all the right words to say immediately at the right time. I'm going to honor this and remember these things. And I find myself, even today, I was at the bank and I was like repeating numbers of like an account or something. And I was just like, one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it was very like slow and precise. And the lady was just kind of like looking at me like I was absolutely insane. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to make sure that we've got like the right, you know, sequence happening and, you know, exactly what's going on. She's like, oh, I really appreciate that. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I'm learning, I'm learning things. Well, because of course, like in our industry, like, saying like letters and numbers in the right order and making sure that they're clear and concise is really important. So I was just like, Oh, I'm, I'm practicing. 
That's great. I think, you know, people have compared show calling with uh, air traffic control in, in some senses as well. So it is, I, I've never, it's funny because people have compared that, but I've never actually listened to the, to, to an air traffic control tower. So I, I'm going to look that up. I'm going to Google that. You should. It's interesting. <laughs> Your personal changes that you've seen through the industry, like, well, you were doing production and now you're more in the maintenance and service part. Have you seen any changes on how the industry operates or what we do, how we do it, what's going on out there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone's a little bit more conscious of people's personal lives and that, you know, we all have personal lives, which is great, you know, because that's, I mean, we've all had to focus on that a bit more. I know in the freelance things that I've been doing recently, you know, we they've worked out housing and like creating like appropriate bubbles, like different ways for people. So for example, I would, you know, go to a location and normally I'd be in a hotel for, you know, X amount of days, but now I'm on a ship for X amount of days doing the exact same thing, but they just want to keep it smaller. Well, that's actually a lot more efficient for a lot of reasons. So I think things like that are becoming a bit more normalized. I can't really speak to like actual productions, but I think in some other instances where people are trying to get their um, shows back up and running, they're a lot more cognizant of the things that they really do need and things that they, you know, maybe can wait for a little while. So people are a little bit more focused on necessities, the bare necessities now. And then, you know, I, I, things are definitely picking back up, but it's slow for different, di different sectors, I guess. That's what I've noticed. But again, I've not been seeing any actual shows, except for at the dog park. I think for me, I'm like the whole Zoom fatigue thing is quite real, right? I, I I think it's it's a hard thing when you're doing sort of international work to try and figure out now at what point do we come together and what point do we stay virtual? Because I think that we're still navigating that post-pandemic because what we've realised is we can achieve quite a lot via this medium, right, where you don't have to necessarily fly into a particular place. But I recently did a business trip and it, God, it was nice to just stand in a room with a bunch of people and talk work rather than set it through a screen. I was like, this is joyful. And we're kind of living, staying in a communal place where the people I was working with who I'd worked with for like months but never met personally, you could like literally sit in a room together and have a coffee. Like it was really like I really appreciated it. It was just a strange feeling just to have sit there and look at the person and have a coffee, right? Like it was, we don't, we, we took it for granted, I guess. Definitely. I, I, um, maybe three or four months ago, um, I touched like a, an HMI like control panel for like the first time in what felt like forever. And I moved like three chain hoists up and down and I called it out and I was like, blah, 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 blah. Trust is moving. I'm like, this is great. I just, I mean, it only went like three meters. Like who cares? Like it was just up and down. It was like fixed speed, blah, 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 blah. And all I was doing was just like pressing the dead man and just like letting it go. I'm just like, it's the little things, but you're right. I mean, just being able to have like a normal conversation because like here at home, nobody knows what I'm talking about. I can't have like a normal, like theater conversation with anybody in my general acquaintance here so when I first like got on my like first big thing after coronavirus I was just like do I even know anything what what's happening you know like who who am I anymore but then it, you know things start to come back and I'm like oh okay great I'm not crazy so good sorry just just a side note on that isn't it funny how you think that like our world was so profoundly changed, right? And and we had to go through all of this, which I don't think there's a lot enough acknowledgement outside our industry, just the impact on our people because people don't live in our world, right? 
But think about it. Like there are people who live in this world where the pandemic didn't affect their job at all, right? And here we are feeling a big change and a big thing and other people are just, they didn't have nothing changed for them. And that blows my mind because for us it's been a, a completely different experience the last few years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know a plumber down the way and he was just like, whatever, we got a few more jobs, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, that's good. Should I have been a plumber this entire time? Maybe. I don't know. Like, I'm glad it works for you, buddy. But you're right. I mean, it, it does, it does, you know, greatly depend on, you know, what you do. And like, I've had several conversations with individuals who are just like, yeah, you're not an essential worker. And I'm just like, okay, I get, you know, economically, in some ways, I probably am not, but it sure feels essential to me you know, and to everybody else that does this. And it's, it's essential for people's, you know, catharsis and like their emotional health. So, you know, it's, it's essential in other ways. So yeah, you're totally right. My uncle works in uh, like house renovation and things like that. And I think because everybody was home staring at their walls, they were all calling, he had more work because they're like, no, I need to change that. I need to change that because yeah. I've never been home enough to be like, yeah, I can't deal with this bathroom anymore. It needs to be renovated. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely renovated a bathroom at least once um, while I was on break. So uh, you mentioned something that I, I think it's uh, very interesting and we've joked around with. I, I don't know, at least more than one technician. And I'm sure it's not the same for performers, but how do you explain the world what you do, right? And it's usually like a fun question among technicians or whatever. But now you mention it in a whole different context and it's it it, it resonates to me on the importance of our side communities because like we have our families, but also the this communities that we belong to where we can speak our own language, meaning the theater or the entertainment slang, if you will, and how that becomes such an important part of, of our, our day to day. I describe my position to someone when I first meet them differently every single time. And I don't even know why. It usually well, actually I do know why, because usually I'm doing something kind of different each time I'm doing it because I don't really like stick with the one thing I kind of like diverge, you know, one way or another. But I usually will fall back on circus, because it's the easiest thing to, you know, say, and, you know, it piques people's interest, and you can kind of like actually explain it. My dad was convinced that I was um, an Imagineer at Disney for um, the last 20 years, because he just, that's what he wants to want to know. And I'm like, okay, sure, dad, that's what I do. Um, which, ironically, I do know some Imagineers, and they're really cool people. So yeah, usually I'll do that. Um, quite often I'll get the question of, are you military? And I'm like, no, circus. <laughs> that happened to me today at the Lowe's when I was trying to buy plants and they were asking if I wanted a military discount or if I was going to be able to get that. And I was like, I went to theater. <laughs> like I always feel a little bad about that. <laughs> are there theater discounts? <laughs> there um, should no, be. I mean, so there really should be. Yeah, what what kind of energy are you giving off since you're in the military, Anna? Because you is because you're like super fit right now. Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's, I'm super fit right now, and I I do know for a fact that I have a certain like posture and gait that I move with, which you know has just been the way that it is because I have a weird spine and I want to move efficiently. But people think that it, you know, one dude called me a gorilla. I was like, that's nice. Another dude was just like, yeah, you look like a military guy. And I'm like, okay, cool. So like, I get that actually, probably like 40% of the time, people think that I'm in the military, which is, there's no problem with that. I just kind of feel bad because I'm not. 
but I don't because it wasn't right for me. So like, I don't know how we devolved into that. So yeah, I guess now I deal with the um, safe installation inspections of stage machineries and maintenance. So that's that's kind of me right now. And that can be anything from crawling underneath the stage to um, clambering over fly bars and everything in between. And now a moment for our sponsor. The Theatre Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by Harlequin. Harlequin is the world leader in floors, stage systems and studio equipment for the performing arts. Established in the UK over 40 years ago, Harlequin is the preferred performance floor for the world's most prestigious dance and performing arts companies, theatres and schools. From the Royal Opera House to the Bolshoi Theatre, the New York City Ballet to the Royal New Zealand Ballet. Harlequin's experience and reputation are founded on the development, manufacture and supply of a range of high quality sprung and vinyl floors specifically designed for dance and the performing arts. Backed by an engineering team and independent research, Harlequin also designs, builds and refurbishes stages working with stage engineers and theatre consultants in leading venues across the world. Harlequin is the global leader in its field with offices in Europe, the Americas and Asia Pacific. Find out more at harlequinfloors.com, H-A-R-L-E-Q-U-I-N floors.com. So have you been listening to our podcast and and, uh, other episodes of of Anna and Anna's Adventures? I I have listened to a few. I honestly didn't realize that y'all were putting out quite so many, um, and I wasn't quite as frequent with it. I um, listened to um, one about Hamilton. I listened to an automation um, individual that was on, like, really early on. But I haven't heard a lot recently, and I apologize for that. Things have been going on. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to be carrying it on. It sounds like y'all have been getting, like, a really interesting, like, series of clientele. Oh, and I think my brother recorded something. So that's exciting. Yeah, we got your brother in here. It was great. That was fun. <laughs> we have so that's many cool. fun conversations. And, and it, like, it's from every people all over the world and in different parts of the industry yes. creative or technical or and sometimes we totally geek out with technical people and other times we're like okay we're asking the artist everything because we don't know what we, we don't know what they're talking about what do you, tell us about your life <laughs> that's fair yeah that's fair no it's great I mean you guys get a wide range of experiences and interests so you know like you're covering all bases I think that's awesome what's your feeling about it Anna Aguilera it's really uplifting. It's been more than a couple of times, like a good number of times where I'm like a little down or over the way the industry operates or what we do or what we're not doing. And then um, we talk to someone about what we do and it turns out to be this very different, I don't know, input or yeah, like um, way to see the industry or just a good experience they had. And then it's kind of uplifting. So that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, when we spoke, just we spoke last week to Emma, the Nigerian filmmaker. I mean, I was like, I got on, we got on the podcast. It was like eleven o'clock, and I was like, oh, I'm really tired or whatever. And by the end of that podcast, I was like so pumped about life because she was just like, she like burst onto this onto the screen, and she was like, and the stuff that she does is just absolutely amazing like she just raised 10 grand and went out to a community in Nigeria and built a whole film just like this on her own and then edited a full feature film full feature film by herself and then won awards for it and she's just like yeah you have no excuse not to be out there like doing stuff when you hear like (laughs) her building this out of nothing it was amazing (laughs) I look forward to that that's exciting now it's coming out in June 20th so 
Perfect. I'll have to hit her up and have her be my accountability buddy. <laughs> By the time this episode's out, that one would be out as well. And the the other really cool thing was because she used people in the community in the film. So when after it was released, she she went back out to the community, set up a big screen, and and played the film for them. So they were they all felt like they were superstars because they were all in the film and they just had the best time. It was super, they were superstars. So. <laughs> so where are you on your Wonder Woman uh, pursuits? I mean, to me, you're already Wonder Woman. My Wonder Woman pursuits? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm wearing a shirt, so that helps. I have a few, like, artwork pieces that I've done. I'm trying to get stronger. Like, the last, like, six weeks, I, like, had no gym available to me, no free weights, no strength training. So I'm just, like, I feel my shoulders getting smaller. They don't, like, squeeze into my shirts anymore. So, like, I'm trying to, like, build that back up. Yeah, those are, those are my Wonder Woman pursuits right now. Eventually, I'll figure out how to swim better. Um, and fly because you know that's what you should do <laughs> what kind of flying are we <laughs> skydiving or being a pilot or oh no I already I already did skydiving that was okay I guess like it was cold I I should have worn gloves and I didn't so that was fine you know getting shoved out of a plane and like just having your hands cold was like the only thing I, I could think about not that I was like free falling for two minutes no I mean like actual legitimate like self-propelled flying not with like an external apparatus that would be like my life goal i hover a lot in my dreams there's a lot of hovering i don't know what that means um i'm sure it means something that i maybe don't want it to mean but i hover quite frequently and i can get up to like six feet and that's, that's exciting cool. um yeah yeah manifesting that's the best kind of flying i do <laughs> yes exactly I, I can't fly any planes, but I do watch a lot of YouTube about aviation now. So um, I kind of have an idea of what's happening whenever someone comes on, you know, the radio and it's just like the early, which they would never do. The early ones are not functioning properly. <laughs> We're going into a left bank or something like that. That would never happen, to be clear. But if it did, I'd be like, okay, I know what's going on. I got this. I'm going to stay seated and do what I'm told. <laughs> Actually, I think one the aviation industry is one of the other very hard hit industries during the pandemic. I mean, especially well here, still here in Hong Kong, because I live on an island with a lot of pilots because it's close to the airport. And my goodness, there lots of lives have changed in that situation because there was just you fly, you drive over the hill and land to our island, and you look down onto the airport, and there's just bank after bank after bank of like sitting airplanes, like all lined up in a row, and they've been there for two years. It's crazy. It's a really weird sight to see. Yeah, well, I mean, and they need regular maintenance just to sit there, um, and like that's like a huge expense to the companies that aren't making any money. It's just like the cruise ships, like just sitting there, like they still need like millions and millions of dollars a day just to do nothing yes. all our theaters should have been in maintenance as well regular and well not, that's you know. it you know <laughs> and and sing Yi sing Yi uh is uh just around over the bay over there and they've got all of the kotai ferries so there's just like mm-hmm. uh you know i don't know how many kotai ferries are out there but they're going to be no obviously they're taking no trips between hong kong and macau for the last few years and imminently no more trips right so you still so they've got to be maintaining all of that as well which is crazy wow wow so there's no like plan on on that restarting so far there's no prediction as to when that might start back up the show the house of Dancing water 
Well, no, I mean, just Kotai, like the fairy, you know, like, yeah, the House of Dancing Water, that would be lovely to know, but. No, I mean, there's no imminent discussion about borders opening between Hong Kong and Macau at all, because we've had COVID um, and Macau has not had COVID. So there we are. Wow. Wow the infected ones and we will not be allowed oh man (laughs) y'all should come to florida you don't even know i know we've been rocking it mask free for forever well i just um the last two flights that i was on i didn't have to wear a mask on and like i was both relieved and just like terribly confused the entire time because even just um a a week or so ago i was taking a robe access course when i was in las vegas and that entire time, no one was wearing masks. And I was just like, I know that this is the thing. I know that everyone is okay with the thing. Why does this feel so weird now? And to be fair, in Florida, it's been a mask-free place for a long, long time. But even so, like in my own working environment, it hasn't. So I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't know how to feel. But this is, this is what we're doing now. Yeah, I've been institutionalised, so I've been stuck in this part of the world, which are mask-obsessed, right? Everybody still wears them everywhere. And so when I went to Singapore and Vietnam, (laughs) I was like this institutionalised child. Like, I just go out with my mask all the time, and everyone's like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I forgot, we don't need to. And it was just such a, I feel like I feel weird without it right now, which is so weird. I've got, I'm hoping that it will change soon, but uh, I don't think it's going to here. Even if they lift the mask mandate, Hong Kong people are like, they'd still wear them anyway. It's the opposite of like any other part of the world. They're kind of so like. I mean, but like that whole like Southeast Asia area has normalized mask wearing for various reasons, you know, for many years. So like, I, I get that that would, you know, culturally stay in place a little longer because people have been used to that sort of thing for longer. But I do hope that you have a little bit more freedom soon, please. Yeah, mainly for my kids, right? Like, because my kids have been wearing. I I wonder also about, like, kids that were born, you know, because for the first two years of their life, they learn how to see people's expressions and things. And I wonder for the people that were born in the pandemic, like, what's their actual development like when they've been staring at people with masks for most of their life, right? Like, I I wonder what if that's going to have any kind of developmental effect on them. We'll, We'll find out in 15 years. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just put that in put that in the calendar to follow up on. <laughs> I I would say from my own personal experience, not with infants, but my mother is a primary school teacher and has been for the last forty years. She's retiring this year. I'm actually planning out a party for her. Don't say anything. But she works with um, special needs kids from ages um, six to nine, and. Just, you know, even though they're already developed to the degree that they probably will be, they have been struggling so much with the lack of ability to communicate and understand what's going on in the world around them. Like she's got a few kids that are autistic that really do, like to the degree that they can rely on people's expressions. And, you know, like, what do you do? She did the first year um, over Zoom, which was just like, how do you how do you teach a special needs kid, you know, when you need to be like there with them? you know, anything that they need over, you know, an internet connection. So like, I mean, it's not just, it's not just the little ones, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's everyone. Shoot, my dogs got so confused when we go to the vet and everyone was wearing masks. Like they were afraid. They don't usually like the vet to begin with, but I've never seen them like scared before, but this like, they can't see what's going on in the same way. So I hope that it doesn't have any like detrimental effects, but I guess we'll find out in 15 years or sooner. 
They're definitely going to be the COVID babies, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So what else has been happening on the world? Like, have you seen or heard or experienced anything about all those wonderful conversations we had during the pandemic and the industry regarding mental health and equity and salary disparities or not? Uh, honestly, I, I haven't heard anything new and revolutionary, to be honest. But also, to be honest, I kind of like once I kind of based myself back in Florida, I kind of divested myself a little bit from the entertainment industry and kind of tried to focus on what was going on here while I was here. Um, so I'm sure there's all sorts of like interesting things that are going on. And, and I just don't know about that. Also, I don't watch TV. So like that doesn't help. Also, I barely listen to the radio. But I could tell you all about like the squirrels in my backyard. So um, that's what, these are the things that I know. Yeah. I mean, there's, I honestly, like there's probably always going to be an equity of some form or another. Um, and it's, I think it's really just crucial for each individual to, you know, push for everything that is right for them until they get it. And until like people, you start changing people's minds. That's really the only way to change things, I think. And it'll happen over time, over generations. It's not going to be like an instant thing so but it's it's getting better i mean it's gotten better for me throughout my life so i think we're getting there so now your new role has you based in florida and you're going to be working in disney and also on cruise ships and does that mean you'll go out on the cruise ships and work on them or does that mean that you'll sort of catch them in port i'll i'll kind of like be doubling as like a logistics person so if i need to take like a client phone call while i'm in florida then i'll do whatever i can there and while i'm you know, in here, I'll, you know, be setting up projects and doing like all the logistics things for making sure that we have the right equipment planned out, and then work with the support managers to get that sent to the right location. And then um, if there's a particular project or a particular inspection that needs to happen, it, it happens on site. Um, so if it's in a ship, and it's in port, then that's awesome. If it's on a ship that's at sea, then I'm on the boat in the ocean. And uh, we'll stay at sea until the project is finished or until it's been planned out to be finished or until we've accomplished the the goal that we had to accomplish. So, yeah. So it's it's any place that they have us at that, you know, Tate Technologies deals with, which is everything now. But, yeah, I've mostly been doing um, cruise ships on these last little freelance things, which has been an experience because I, I've worked in cruise ships in the past. So I think that actually helps a lot to, you know, have the perspective going in of what, you know, life on ships is like. But at the same time, if I can do it from a hotel, that would be awesome and not in a cabin. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, you might not have a lot of insight to this, just a few projects, but do you feel like timelines have been adjusted to, you know, take into consideration like testing or mask wearing and getting more breaks around people or away from people and that kind of stuff? Definitely they have. Um, I know anecdotally that there have been stories of people, you know, who weren't able to get tested and therefore they're not able to like get on a project or something like that. Or, you know, if they've tested positive, then they're in quarantine for like 10 days, you know, wherever that is they are that they tested positive, like they can't even like move to where they need to go to or you know we have to push projects back because you know a crucial member of the team isn't able to join for you know covid reasons even if they're perfectly fine so it's definitely cost 
companies a lot of money to, you know, not be able to get things done at the right time. And then, of course, you know, there's supply chain issues that we've definitely experienced not being able to get equipment at the time, even though it was planned out months ahead. So, you know, it's hopefully a uh, an experience that's going to change soon. But, you know, who's to, who's to know these days? Yeah, we have not talked a lot about the supply chain uh, issues and here on the podcast, but it's definitely been affecting the industry in, at different levels. Just not being able to get the basics, like starting with steel or <laughs> uh, plastics. Yeah, well, it's even really hard to like write a timeline, you know, because I've been writing a few timelines for stuff and it's just like procurement and shipping. How much months will I put in that section of the timeline? And it's like, and it's always got a big red box around it saying, don't know <laughs> like seriously like it used to be you know mo- with most supplies depending on what it was you know six to eight weeks you'd have it and you could pretty much bank on that right and now I'm like I don't know I don't know what it is I'll just put a big space there and say it's variable and then figure it out from there but that's a problematic especially if people wanted something to do, be delivered in a particular season or whatever then then you can't guarantee that, right? Like, so you are, I want it in this summer or I want it at this point. And you're just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to achieve that. So that's that's going to become a problem for, well, the stuff that I'm doing at the moment, I guess. Stuffing things in warehouses when possible, if possible, but then you still have to deal with trucking or shipping or endless other things. Yeah, no, absolutely. The warehouses are just, you know, sitting there like unclimate controlled. And so like, I know that there's been um, several companies that have had like fabrics that have like gone completely off, and they've had to discard like all their stuff just because they've started like growing mold and started decomposing, you know, so like that affects a lot of people. I know um, there's been many several's of projects that I've been on where like we've known about um, what we were planning on doing for a, a while. And weren't able to get like the correct equipment when we got there. So like, it's a very creative game of troubleshooting how you're going to accomplish something with a third of the things that you were planning on using to accomplish that. So you rely on others. Um, you rely on the resources that you have. You talk fancy to uh, Polish people. <laughs> uh, the last job that I was on, we had a really big problem trying to get a, a drill, a, um, a hand uh, screwdriver that would work. And there were a bunch of other contractors on board. And at one point, a colleague of mine was just trying to drill through this pipe just to make some holes for a bolt. And there was probably like five or six, you know, screw guns that were just, you know, flat batteries and just like couldn't happen. This thing, it should only take about five minutes. And I had to like go across the strip, the the ship and like start flirting with like all the Polish contractors to see if I could get a screw gun. And I did. And it worked. But things like that. I mean, if we were able to like, you know, have these things like on site ready. Um, by the time we got there, then, you know, it would be so much better, not only for, you know, the people who are doing the works, but also for the clients who are there watching you, you know, they're paying all, you know, sorts of money that they probably paid, you know, a year before as well, because they had planned it, but then, you know, COVID happened. And now they're probably paying even more just to get it done. And, you know, they're just, you know, they're just watching like, a debacle happened because like we still don't have like everything that we had originally requested. And it's not just us. I mean, I'm sure it's every industry, but like that was my personal experience that I thought was both ridiculous and hilarious at the same time. That's super cool. I, I agree. I think, but also theatrical people, people in our industry are very resourceful, right? So 
if you got to make it happen, you got to make it happen, uh, even if it means going to sweet talk the polish at the other end of the ship. Like yeah, that's that's definitely in the in the realms of what we need to do to get a job done sometimes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I I definitely like I tell stories to. Yeah, well, I tell stories to like friends and family and they're just like, why wouldn't you just wait until it, you know, showed up? Or why would you not like do that when, you know, when you had all like the resource? And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, we need to get this show up, whatever it is, because like people depend on, you know, what the timelines actually say. And if we can do it in a safe and responsible manner, even if it's a more creative manner than we had intended, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, we're very deadline driven, right? Like you go, well, that's the day it's mm. opening. We better make it happen. <laughs> no, no yeah. whatever circumstances, yeah. there'll be a show. Yeah, exactly. What would you like to see in the next six months, the next year, uh, moving on from this crazy years and into new adventures? Just more things open and more people open to things being open, I think would be a lovely place to start because there's still like in my like own community, you know, a lot of pushback to reopening things. And, you know, in my personal opinion, we've got to start somewhere. So even if it's, you know, at a snail's pace, if we can, you know, just get like a little bit step closer to, you know, just being normal people interacting normally and respectfully with others, then that would be, that would be great. That's what I would like to see. Just that. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining us two years on from our first uh, podcast. We really appreciate it. And it's really good to see that you're in uh, a good job and, and, and living life down there in Florida. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I appreciate you guys. Theatre at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only $38 US per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.